Hello and welcome to the Wiley Reads podcast. This is episode 12 and we are we are doing episode 7 on page 48. Chapter 7, page 48. Yes. My name is Dad. I'll be playing the part of Mommy tonight. Yes. Are you ready, Wiley? You will play Becky Thatcher or any other side character. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. We are stop starting at the top of page 48, where Tom is in the middle of getting engaged to Becky. Go. No, I'll never love anybody but you, Tom. Oh, wait, this is, you're supposed to read this. No, I'll never love anybody but you, Tom, and I'll never marry anybody but you. You ain't to ever marry anybody but me, either. Certainly, of course, that's part of it. And always coming to school or when we're going home, you're to walk with me when there ain't anybody looking and and you chose me and I, you at parties. Because that's the way you do when you're, that's the way you do when you're engaged. It's so nice. (coughs) I never heard of it before. Oh, it's ever so gay. Why tell me and Amy Lawrence? Why me and Amy Lawrence? The big, uh, the big eyes told Tom his blunder and he stopped, confused. Oh, Tom, then I ain't the first you've ever been engaged to? The child began to cry. Tom said, Oh, don't cry, Becky. I don't care for her anymore. Yes, you do, Tom. You know you do. Tom tried to put his arm around her neck, but she pushed him away and turned her face to the wall and went on crying. Tom tried again with soothing words in his mouth. He was repulsed again. Then his pride was up and he, and he strode away and went outside. He, he stood about, restless and uneasy, for a while glancing at the door, every now and then hoping she would repent and come find him, but she did not. Then he began to feel badly and fear that he was in the wrong. It was a hard struggle with him to make new advances now. But but he nerved it was a hard struggle with him to make new advances. Oh, he nerved himself to it and entered. She was still standing there in the she was still standing back there in the corner sobbing with her face to the wall. Tom's heart smote him. He went to her and stood a moment, not knowing exactly how to proceed. Then he said hesitatingly, Becky, I I don't care for anybody but you. No reply, but sobs. Becky, pleadingly, Becky, won't you say anything? More sobs. Tom got Tom got out his chief chiefest jewel, a brass knob from the top of an and 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 iron. I'm pretty sure they meant to say hand iron. Mm, probably an and iron. I don't know what an and iron is, but keep going. And paused it around her. What's that word? Passed it around her so that she could see it and said. Please, Becky, won't you take it? She struck it to the floor. Then Tom marched out of the house and over 
and over the hills far away to return to school no more that day. Present, presently, Becky began to suspect. She, she, she ran to the door. He was not in sight. She flew around on, on the play yard. <clears throat> he was not there. Then she called, Tom, come back, Tom. She listened intently, but there was no answer. She had no com- she had no companions but silence and loneliness. So she sat down to cry again and upbraid herself. And by this time the scholars began to gather again, and she had to hide her griefs and still her broken heart to take up the cross of a long dreary arching afternoon. What's that word? Aching afternoon. With none among the strangers about her to exchange sorrows with. Chapter 8. That's right. It's Roman numerals. Yes, it is. Chapter V! I, I, I. Alright. Right. Tom dodged. Tom dodged hit. Sorry. I thought that said Hitler. No, it does not. <laughs> Tom dodged hither and thither. Through hither and thither. Hither and thither. Through lanes until he was well out of the track of t- returning scholars. And then fell into a moody jig. Jog. jog not mm-hmm. jig. Mm-hmm. He crossed a small branch or two, three times. He crossed... He crossed a small branch two two or three times because of a prevailing juvenile because of a prevailing stu- juvenile superstition to that to that crosswater baffled pursuit. That too crosswater baffled pursuit. Half an hour later, <coughs> he was disappearing behind the Douglas Mansion on the summit of Cardiff Hill, and the schoolhouse was hardly distinguishable away away off in the valley behind him. He entered a dense wood, picked his pathless way to center off it, and patted down a mossy spot under a spreaking oak. What kind of oak? I said spreaking. Yeah. It's spreading. Yeah. There was not a, there was not even a zephyr stringing. What's that word? S- stirring, not stringing. It's all right. The dead noonday. The dead, the dead noonday heat had, had even stilled the songs of the birds. Nature lay in a trance that was broken by no sound but the occasional far-off hammering of a woodpecker. Uh, and this seemed to render the, perva- the pervading silence and sense the, the loneliness of... and the... the lo- Start over from here. And scene, and this scene. seemed to render the pervading silence and sense of loneliness the more profound. The boy's soul was steeped in melancholy. 
His, his feelings were unhappy accord with the surroundings. He sat long with his elbows on his knees and his chin in his hands, meditating. It seemed to him that life was a trouble. At best, he, he more than half envied Jimmy Hodges. So late, so lately released. It must be very peaceful, he thought, to lie in slumber and dream forever and ever, with the wind whispering through the trees and, and caressing the grass and the flowers over the grave, and nothing to bother and grieve about ever anymore. If he only had a clean, if he only had a clean Sunday school record, would he be willing to go? and be done with it all now, with it all. Now as to this girl, what had he done? Nothing. Sorry. He had meant the best, he had meant the best in the world and had been treated like a dog, like a very dog. She would be sorry someday, maybe when it was too late. Ah, if she could only die temporarily. If he could only die temporarily. <coughs> but the uh, but the elastic heart of youth cannot be compressed into one constrained shape long at a time. Tom presently began to drift intensively int- back into the cons- concerns uh, of this life again. What if he turned his back now and disappeared mysteriously? What if he went away, ever so far away to unknown countries beyond the seas, and never came back anymore? How would she feel then? The idea of being a clown returned to him now. Recurred to him now. Only to fill him with disgust. For frivolity, I think. Frivolity, cool. And jokes and spotted tights were on a fence. But they intruded themselves upon a spirit that was exalted into the vague August realm of the rom- of the romantic. No, he would be a soldier <laughs> and a turn after long years. All war worn and Illustrious. 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 No, better still, he would join the Indians and hunt buffaloes. And and go on the warpath in the mountain ranges in the trackless great plains of the far west. And away in the future came back a great chief, bristling with feathers, hideous with with paint, and pranced into Sunday school, some drowsy summer morning, with with a blood-curdling war hoop, and seared the seat, and sear the eyeballs of all his companions with unpressable envy. Unappeasable. Unappeasable envy. But no, there was something gaudier. Gaudier. 
gaudier than even this. He would be a pirate. That was it. Now his future lay plain before him and glowing with unimaginable splendor. How would his name fill the world and make people shudder? How gloriously would he go plowing in, in plowing the dancing seas in, in his long low black hold racer, the spirit of the storm, in his grisly flag flying at the fore, and at the zenith and at the zenith of, of the is it zenith? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh. And at the zenith of his frame, how would he suddenly appear? Fame. Did I say frame? Yes. Okay. Of his fame, how would he suddenly appear at the old? How how would he suddenly appear at the old village and stalk to, stalk into church, brown and weather beaten, in his black vel- velvet double and tr- doublet and trunks. His great jack boots and crimson sash, his belt bristling with horse pistols, and his crime rustled cutlass at his side. Rusted. Did I say rustless? You said rustled. Rustled. But it's rusted. Crime rusted cutlass. Crime rusted cutlass. What's a cutlass? A sword. It's a curved sword. Keep going. Cutlass at his side. His slouch, his slouch hat with waving plumes. His black flag unfurled with the skull and crossbones on it. And he, and here with swelling ecstasy, it's. Mm-hmm. And here with swelling ecstasy, the whisperings. It's Tom Sawyer the pirate, the, the black avenger of the Spanish main. Yes, it was settled. His career was determined. He would run away from home and, and enter upon it. He would start the very next morning. Therefore, it, he must now begin he, he must <clears throat> now begin to get ready. He would collect his resources together and went on a rotten log near and hand at, at hand and began to dig under <coughs> and and begin to dig under one of it with his barlow knife he soon struck he soon struck wood that sounded hollow he put his hand there and uttered this incantation impressively. What hasn't come, what hasn't come here, come. What's here, stay here. Then he scraped away the dirt and exposed a pine shingle. He took it up and then, and then disclosed a shapely little treasure house whose bottom and sides were of shingles it lay in a marble in it lay a marble tom's astonishment was boundless he scratched his head 
with a perplexed air and said, Well, that beats anything. Then he tossed the marble away pettishly and stood cogitating. Cogitating. Thinking. Cogitating. The truth was that, that a superstition of his had failed. Here which he here which he and all his comrades had always looked upon as infallible. Is that correct? Infallible. If you buried a marble with certain necessary incantations and left it alone a fortnight and then open the place with with the lost and gathered them with the incantation he had he had just used you would find that all the marble you had ever lost and gathered themselves together there meantime no matter how no matter how widely they had been separated but now this thing had actually and unquestionably failed Tom's whole structure of faith was shaken to its foundations. He had many a time heard of this thing succeeding, but never of it failing before. It did not occur to him that he had tried it several times before, but himself, but could never find the hiding places afterward. He puzzled over the matter some time, and then finally decided that some witch had in Interfered and broken the charm. Interfered. Did I say feared? Yes. Interfered and broken the charm. He thought that he thought he he thought that he would satisfy himself on that point. He searched around till he found a small sandy spot with a little funnel-shaped depression in it. He, he let himself down and put his mouth close to this depression and called, Doodlebug, Doodlebug, tell me what I want to know. Doodlebug, Doodlebug, tell me what I want to know. The sand began to work, and presently a small black bug appeared for a second and then darted under again in a fright. He doesn't tell, so it is a witch that done it. I just knowed it. <laughs> Tom has a lot of funny superstitions. Well, he knew the futility of trying to con- contend against wishes. Witches. So he gave up the scourge. But it occurred to him that he might as well have the marble he, he had just thrown away. And therefore he went <clears throat> and made a patient search for it. But he could not find it. Now he went back to his treasure house and carefully placed himself just as he had been standing when he tossed the marble away. Then he took another marble from his pocket and tossed it away in the same way, saying, Brother, go find your brother. He watched where it stopped and went there and looked, but it must have fallen short or gone too far. He tried twice more. The last repetition was successful. The two marbles lay within a foot of each other. 
It's pretty clever. <clears throat> All right, so uh, we have just hit 20 minutes, so we're going to take a p- quick break, and we're going to catch up in about a minute, so yeah. Okay. Is there a way to pause it? Yes, you just hit the X. Is that going to end the episode? Uh, no, it'll make a segment. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back, and we are just at the segment where uh, Tom Sawyer lost his marble, and he threw another marble to find his marble. So we're on the we're on the word just. After just, there is here, and before just, there is other. <laughs> Hopefully you know where you are now, and let's get going. Just here, the blast of a toy tin trumpet came faintly down the green aisles of the forest. Tom flung off his jacket and trousers, turned a suspender into a belt, raked away some brush behind the rotten log, disclosing a rude bow and arrow. A a lath sword and tin trumpet in a moment had... And in a moment had seized these things and bounded away, bare-legged and f- and fluttering sh- with fluttering shirt. He presently halted un- under a great elm, blew an answering blast, and began to tiptoe and look warily out. This way and that, he caught he caught he cautiously. In- he said cautiously into imaginary company, Hold my merry men. Hold my merry men. Keep to keep hid till I blow. Now appeared Joe Harper as airily clad. For a second I thought that I said dad. <laughs> as airily clad and and elaborately armed as Tom. Tom called, Hold, who comes here into Sherwood Forest without my pass? Mm-hmm. Guy of Gisborne wants no man's past. Who art thou that? It's not that... past, past, it's pass. Okay. Guy of Gisborne wants no man's pass. Who art thou that, that... Dares to hold such language, says Tom, prompting for for they talked by the book from memory. Who art thou that dares to hold such language? I indeed, I am Robin Hood, as thy caitiff carcase... Mm-hmm. S- soon shall know. Then art thou indeed from famous outlaw. Right gladly will I dis- dispute with thee the passes of the merry wood. Have at thee. <clears throat> they took their their last swords, dumped, dumped their other tra- traps on the ground, 
struck a fencing attitude foot to foot and began a grave, careful combat. Two up and two down, presently, Tom said. Now if you've got the hang, now if you've got the hang, go it lively. So they went it lively, panting and perspiring with the work. By and by, Tom shouted, Fall, fall, why don't you fall? Shant. Shant. I shant. I shant. Why don't you fall yourself? You're getting the worst of it. Why ain't that anything I can't... Why ain't... Why that ain't anything I can't fall? That ain't the way that it... That it is in the book. <clears throat> the book says, then... You, you should do the book as well. No, no, that's Tom quoting the book. The book says... Then with one backhanded stroke, he he slew he slew p- poor guy of Gisborne. You're, you're to turn around and let me hit you in the back. There was no getting around the authorities, so Joe turned, rec- received the whack, and fell. Now said Joe, getting up, you gotta let me kill you. <laughs> That's fair. Why I, why I can't do that? It ain't in the book. Well, it blamed me, and that's all. Well, say, Joe, you can't be a fi- fire tuck, friar tuck, or... I'm sorry. It sounded like fire truck. Mm-hmm. Friar tuck. Or muck the... Or much the miller's son. Does that say lamb or larn? Lamb. And lamb me with a quarterstaff, or I shall be the sheriff of Nottingham, and you shall be Ro- be Robin Hood a little while and kill me. This was sat- this was satisfactory, and so these adventures were carried out. When Tom became Robin Hood again and was allowed by the treacherous run- nun to to bleed his strength away through his neglected wound, and at last Joe, representing a whole tribe of weeping outlaws, dragged him sadly forth, gave his bow to his hood, gave gave his bow to his feeble hands, and Tom said, where, where this arrow falls, these very, their very poor Robin Hood under the greenwood tree. Then he shot the arrow and fell back and would have died, but he lit on a nettle and sprang up too gaily for a corpse. The boys dressed themselves, hid their accoutrements, 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 and went off grieving that there were no outlaws anymore and wondering what modern civilization could could claim to have done to compensate for their loss. They said they would rather be outlaws for a year in Sherwood Forest than President of the United States forever. Chapter 9. So, we have 
completed about a chapter and a half today. Mm-hmm. We'll keep going. You got three minutes. At half past nine at night, Tom and Sid were sent to bed. As usual, they, they said their prayers, and Sid was soon asleep. Tom lay awake and waited in restless impatience. When it seemed to him that it must be nearly day- daylight, he, he heard the clock strike ten. <clears throat> this was despair. He would have tossed and fidgeted, and his nerves demanded. But he was afraid he might wake Sid, so he, so he lay still. Up in the dark, everything was dismally still. By and by, out of the stillness, little scarcely, little scarcely perceptible noise. Scarcely. Scarcely perceptible noises began to emphasize themselves. The ticking of the clock began to bring itself into notice. Old beams began to crack mysteriously. The stairs creaked faintly. Evidently, spirits were were abroad. A measured muffled snore issued from Aunt Polly's chamber. And now and now the tiresome chirping of a cricket that no human that no human ingenuity could locate began. Next the ghastly ticking of a death switch in the wall at the bed's head made What's that word? Death wa- death watch. What did I say? Death switch. Ticking of a death watch in the wall at the bed's head made made make Tom shudder. It meant that somebody's days were numbered. And then the bull of a remoter distance. What? What's that word? Then the howl of a far-off dog rose on the night air and was answered by a fainter howl from a remoter distance. Tom was Tom was in agony. At last he was satisfied with that time he had seized an eternity begun. He began he began to doze. In spite of himself the clock chimed eleven, but he did not hear it. And 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 then there came, mingling in his half-formed dreams, a most melancholy caterwauling. Finish the paragraph, and then you're done. No, but it's past ten minutes. I just finished the paragraph. It's one paragraph. No. We, yeah. we would stop here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we, we'll stop here. Yes. All right. That is the end of episode 12. We are stopping mid-chapter 9. And Wiley will see you again tomorrow. What do you say, Wiley? Whoa! All right. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. And if <clears throat> if we have ads by, by, by the time you're listening, uh, thanks for giving us a couple cents. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later. Yes.